Welcome to listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you so much for joining us on our continued quest to become better, braver, happier painters. Today, I won't bore you with much of an introduction or anything along those lines. So just to let you know, we have a fantastic interview with a YouTuber that's not only an excellent painter, uh, but also has a fantastic beard. And so without further ado, we present Zumikido Miniatures. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. Hi, thank you for having me. You know, um, so the art of miniature painting is a very interesting thing. And we're going to delve really deep into kind of how, how you came into the business and such. But to start out with, let me ask you, how are you doing in the world of COVID? How has that kind of impacted your miniature painting? Have you got more time? <laughs> Well, actually, like before COVID, um, I used to go to gym more. <laughs> and now since everything is closed, I have more time for miniatures. So I guess more time for improvement. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, and have you painted? Let me, I always ask this now too, is have you painted more miniatures? Do you feel like during the time of COVID? In my case, absolutely. Because I am not going to the gym. So more time on my hands. So it works for me. Let's start with asking you this question then about how did you get started in the world of miniature painting? So basically it started when I was 10 or 12 years old. And basically I was pretty fat and uh, I had like uh, no options to socialize. Uh, so the only options actually were through games like Pokemon cards or Star Wars miniatures. So that's what I did. And actually, um, when I was playing Star Wars miniatures, somehow the Wizards of the Coast, if you know the company, I mm -hmm. think you do. Of course. Yep. Yeah. So they decided to not support the game anymore, unfortunately. But luckily, um, one day in the gaming store, I saw the like big fat catalog from Games Workshop. And I saw all the detailed mini miniatures. So um, I just told myself, why not? started that so that's what i did that's excellent I, you know it's one of those things that that people don't address as much in interviews or conversations is how kind of gaming gave them somewhat of a social outlet you know what i mean that that it allowed them to interact with other people etc you, you started with, with pokemon you know a lot I, I hear were you also into magic at all too or well, no, no, no. I, I was not really interested in magic. Like I like, I still like Pokemon actually, but I am not playing <laughs> the card game anymore. Um, perhaps I would if I didn't didn't have like Warhammer or if I didn't paint miniatures. Right. Uh, but I don't. So yeah. Yeah, I'm not a magic player either. I just like the artwork on the cards. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Totally, totally get it. Yeah, I, I just kind of my son plays it, so I. I kind of steel pinks at his stuff or sometimes you know Does when i'm looking at Warhammer as well sadly no um he likes to play the game sometimes but he's not interested in painting at all and he's kind of like he's 17 so he's in that phase of kind of girls girls gr you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. girls have become the priority and let's just say at 17 uh saying hey i paint miniatures is not the best pickup line <laughs> <laughs> but you know like at least girls like prefer guys that do something and not nothing that's uh, true that's true. i can imagine that some girls uh, will prefer a guy that paints minis mm -hmm. uh, instead of the guy who plays for example like league of legends all day or <laughs> yeah I, I, I have nothing against against uh, video games you know but like mm -hmm. i think it's more interesting to paint miniatures well, I mean, he's really big into photography and uh, he does, uh, he's a competitive swimmer. So he does have something to do, but, you know, I wish, I wish, you know, they would sit down. My, my daughters aren't interested in the games, but I can, I can break out paints and get them to sit down and paint with me for a little while, which is fun. Um, so that's, that's a, cool. that's a good thing for sure. But so I'm very curious, you're now a, a tabletop gamer. You have Warhammer miniatures. What made you decide to kind of take them to the next level and paint paint them at a higher standard and then teach other people via YouTube to do it. Okay, so that's going to be a long story. That's okay. But like the motivation to really improve uh, in painting miniatures came from like 
so I played Warhammer, you know, and I wasn't really good at playing the game, <laughs> but I still wanted to like win something. So there were events and tournaments where uh, you can compete in regards to like uh, how well is your army painted. So uh, when I cannot win the reward for playing the game, at least maybe I can win the reward for painting the miniatures, right? So basically that was my whole motivation uh, for improving my skills in regards to miniature painting. Well, that's very cool. Uh, that, hey, you know, that's, there's, there's different motivations, different ways. So you are now gonna ask uh, about the channel, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, so, so <laughs> okay, let's go there. So my motivation to improve never was like scrolling through Instagram, seeing all the cool paint jobs and thinking to myself like, hey, I want to paint like that or like winning some uh, competition or stuff like that. It always was like uh, to get my army done. So then uh, basically I decided to start a YouTube channel. Uh, we can go into why I decided uh, to start a channel uh, later if you want. Mm -hmm. But uh, basically, um, basically when I started the channel, uh, I didn't paint just my army anymore because you cannot really show all the techniques and uh, stuff like that, uh, like basically just on your army. So I had to buy miniatures that uh, basically are there just for you to show uh, how to perform a certain technique. Now, what made you decide to do the five minute format? <laughs> so. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I have my channel for like uh, two years and two months already. And basically the motivation behind starting the channel is that uh, I tried to start many businesses before like this channel. Mm -hmm. And basically when I, when I started this channel, uh, I wanted to do something uh, and like make money out of something that I love. So that is painting miniatures. I cannot really imagine that I am gonna uh, stick to some office job or stuff like that and just be there. You know, like painting miniatures and making money out of that, that sounds way cooler and that's what I wanna do. So I'm always uh, looking into formats that uh, could be could bring value to the viewer. And uh, at the same time, I didn't see formats that were short. Uh, for example, I really like Vince Venturella. You already had him on the show. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yes, indeed. Yeah, right. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he has great videos. I absolutely love them. It's probably like uh, one of my favorite uh, channels on YouTube. But the problem with that is that he doesn't really edit that much. And uh, the videos are, are a little bit longer. And uh, you can still learn from that, but at the same time, you uh, really have to spend like 20 minutes watching them. So I told myself that five minute format could be uh, really compact and uh, really bring value to the viewer. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's kind of a, a place for all of it, right? If you need like a more in-depth or enjoy watching some, you know, somebody lay 30 glazes down, uh, there's a channel for that, right? <laughs> but if you, oh want, yeah, definitely. You know, if I you're mean, seeing, like, I, I, I apologize. I didn't mean to talk over you. Sorry. Oh okay, yeah. So yeah, like definitely, I get it. You know, um, like there are these uh, explained in five minutes videos, and there are like uh, one hour masterclass videos, and both are just fine because like some people don't have really the time to watch the entire of the masterclass video. And some people want to go really deep and learn uh, maybe even difficult things. So maybe the masterclass videos are for them. So that's absolutely fine. There is something for everybody. You know, and maybe somebody wants to learn how to make an iron hands with a pizza. You know, there's always that possibility <laughs> as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah unfortunately, that you. was not really that good of a video. That's okay. I told you I watched your video. I, I, I don't lie. <laughs> uh, you know, for, for sure. That's okay, though. I love, That's actually kind of the stuff I, I, I'm attracted to. Um, besides, I'm going to tell you that I think my favorite is the blending video with the Mandalorian helmet. That is, uh, that is some damn fine work, sir. I will say that for sure. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I actually think that I didn't really do uh, that good of a job because I mean, it's, it's all right, but some, somewhere the blends are not really uh, 100%, I would say. Well, come on, man. You, you, you and I both are, are, are lovers of Banshee. You know what he says about smoothness, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, okay. So I, I seriously waited for this moment because like, uh, I don't want to start beef with Banshee, but like, uh, it's still like Banshee says fuck smoothness. Like, okay. But at the same time, when you look at Banshee's artworks, it's so smooth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like smoother than actually like, uh, 90, 95% that than um, every art out there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, sure. Fuck smoothness or don't concentrate on smoothness that much but uh you still have to have some smoothness at least and and banshee actually does have it so right yeah. no i agree and you're not i i you're not alone in, in that philosophy in that thought process either because um I, i took a class with him and was listening to him say that looking at a piece of his work going yeah this is pretty goddamn smooth what are you talking about <laughs> like like so oh, physically, yeah, I, can imagine. I, i had a piece and a piece of his work in my hand and i'm like okay i guess i can kind of see the trend you know i can see kind of not transition you know but i mean and, and, and in all fairness though he does do he does go through like you know kirill kanonov's work and and kind of blows it up and shows because he, he Kirill, while he can be smooth, is also very meticulous about where he places lines and dots and and things along those lines for the visual effects. So, um, yeah, I know you're 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 not wrong when you when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it, I mean, like seriously, just when you scroll through the Instagram of Banshee, like <laughs> that's fucking smooth. Yep. <laughs> oh man, the Hellboy alone which I can look at that for, for days, you know, that, that help. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I love it. You know, for, for sure. But you know, it, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you now. I do think, I think you did a great job on the Mandalorian helmet. I'm sure it's not perfect, but that's because we're human beings. It's never going to be perfect. So, you know, <laughs> I thought, I, I, I thought it was beautiful. Take the compliment, man. <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you so much. <laughs> no worries no worries now talk to me about has has doing the youtube channel uh, impacted your painting has it made you a better painter one billion percent one billion percent because like um usually when i start creating videos i start on monday and i finish the mini uh, yeah the miniature and the video by friday or uh saturday so you know, you have to be quite fast to make it on time and you still have to present a good miniature because otherwise nobody is gonna uh, see the video, right? So right. yeah, definitely. That's great. So now um, has it affected your process? Have you, are, are, um, I've heard of other YouTube artists say that it made them really think about their process and how they, cre how they created the miniatures and such. Has that impacted you the same way? Okay, so let me ask you this, like, in what way did it, it impact their uh, process? Well, I think what they were, they, they said was when they were painting without the concept of, because even, even doing a YouTube tutorial is teaching, right? And so um, when they would just paint, they would just paint and not think about it and do this and this, this, this light goes here, the shadow goes here, kind of instinctual, but teaching You can't you can't do that. You have to explain to students what you're doing, and so that caused them to really evaluate what was in their process, how they actually worked. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Okay, so now now I totally get what you mean. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. So when I picked up a miniature, uh, when I didn't do YouTube videos, I just sort of painted and didn't really think about the process. But now I do because like that's sort of the habit when you are creating cool videos. Uh, actually, when you have you seen the uh, painting volumes videos? I have. Yes. The video. Okay. So like that's now my go-to process that I do with every single miniature. So yeah, absolutely. 
Excellent. That's cool. You yeah, know, and it's it's fun fun to hear about it now. But um, have you done besides the YouTube channel? Have you had a chance uh, to since you've been out about two years and one year of that is COVID? Um, have you had a chance to do any live teaching yet, or maybe over Zoom or any, uh, Skype or anything? So I had a chance, but I didn't really. Um, what is the word? I didn't really use the chance, or mm -hmm. didn't. Uh, didn't yeah basically i i didn't teach anything over zoom or skype or whatever uh because i don't really have time for that sure yeah no i mean that whole process to, i can't i mean like we we touched on it a little bit in chatting between each other you know with each other about you know audio takes time to edit but to me the concept of editing videos is elusive i can't even imagine how oh, much yeah. more effort that takes um, it's it's absolutely it's exhausting. So basically, what I do is, um, for example, for the five minute videos, I uh, make the script on Monday. Then I record live, where basically talking head uh, footage on Tuesday, cut it down. Uh, then I start painting the miniature on Wednesday. So I basically have like two or three days to paint the miniature, and then actually edit the scenes where I paint it. So, yeah, it's absolutely exhausting. Can't even imagine. <laughs> like it did. Just, I'm tired listening to you. I'm like, man, we just record and then I listen to it one time through and then I go back and edit. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what I do. And I go, I complain when I don't have my mouse because that takes me longer to do with the pad. But um, so, yeah, no, I, 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 I that's. From somebody who watches your videos, I definitely appreciate the effort that that you put in. Um, thank you, thank you. I'm not sure if you have seen like the pinned uh, comments below the videos. Um, sometimes I, I read them. Sometimes I don't. At other times, you know, like it's it's kind of hit or miss whether I read them or not. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So basically, uh, like below the videos, uh, be, below the explained in five minute videos, there usually are pinned comments where I say. Um, hey guys, uh, this video took like 50 hours to edit, script, paint, and paint the miniatures. So if you want to support the channel, um, somehow just do that. Thank you. So yeah, like basically these five minutes take me like 50 plus hours to uh, put together. Yeah, no, I don't take that much time to edit a podcast. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, I think, you know, I, we do have over 50 hours of content, but not much more than that so <laughs> in a year. So thank you for all the effort. Um, now, let me, let me ask you this one. What do you think was the hardest one so far to trans, like technique was the hardest to translate to a video? Like, um, was it hard to do like non-metallic metals or wet blending or were they kind of the same as far as, because I imagine, you know, glazing, is, like glazing is a simple concept, but hard to execute um, properly because so many, you know, like cause it, it makes intuitively, it makes sense, at least it, to me, but non-metallic metals and some of the wet blending are kind of a kind of a stretch for me. So I rambled. I apologize. <laughs> oh no, no, it's that's fine. Um, yeah, like the problem with glazing on a video is, uh, um, like, when you're glazing and you put down one layer, you cannot really see any difference. Usually, if it's mm -hmm. not a thick glaze, but still, like, I think I did a good job in that video, like glazing in five minutes. Uh, but I think that I had the most difficult time uh with wet blending actually mm -hmm. because like i fought the paint because um you know i didn't always get the perfect blend and uh, some places were uh, difficult to reach so i think that one would be perhaps the most difficult right that makes that makes sense too because you know like it's a it sounds like it's easy enough to do put two paints together blend them you know mix them mix them together but like for people like me i like i wind up kind of creating mud you know <laughs> like instead of creating a transition it's like oh my god it's tie-dye how'd you do that um you know so that's I, I totally get why that would be a tough 
way to like, to to actually translate in, into an actual video. So um, you know, like uh, like like by itself, it's very difficult difficult technique. So uh, it makes sense that it's difficult to record. So yeah, but it's total time saver. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it gets that jump. You get that jump forward and in, in getting a transition for sure. You know, and I think a lot of people have the misconception that when blending is it, like you wet blend and you're done, and you know that it's all painting is really the isn't one technique; it's the combination of techniques. You know. Oh, absolutely. You know, like uh, sometimes people uh, when they watch my videos where I explain one certain technique, they get the impression that you should just pick one technique and run with it, and that's absolutely not the case. You can combine them, and you should perhaps combine them. Uh, even like Trevarian mentioned that uh, you shouldn't really think in terms of techniques. And I actually think that um, breaking down miniature painting to techniques is useful when you are, for example, beginning with your uh, hobby. But as you go on and you want to, for example, jump to uh, more advanced stuff, it's not really that useful to think in terms of glazing, wet blending, stippling and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Right. And that that's, it's one of those things that you still want you, if you don't want to focus on the technique, you still got to know how to do it. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Definitely. There's, there's a line in a, a Stephen King book called, uh, called on writing, which isn't a, it's a nonfiction. It's about his life. Um, and he writes in it in order to break the rules of grammar, you have to know the rules of grammar first. And so I feel like it's kind of the way what's in order to not think about the techniques, you still have to know how to do the techniques. You know, I agree 100%. What do you think for you was the hardest of those techniques to kind of master? I, I hate to use the word master because what, what does that word mean? Right. But to get down to kind of feel like okay i can glaze i can wet blend i can paint non-metallic metals which is really a combination again you know combo of techniques but what was kind of the, the most difficult one that you faced do you think okay i i am not sure if you're gonna be happy with my answer <laughs> but like it's honest answer because i don't think that like any technique is really that difficult it's more of how much time are you willing to invest in order to in order to really learn it mm -hmm. you know so for example glazing is not difficult like wet blending doesn't really have to be difficult it's just about like which paints are you going to use for example for wet blending because not every single paint is uh, suited for wet blending Inter and uh, for example for glazing it's more difficult to glaze light colors and more easy to glaze dark colors and for example um if you have seen my non-metallic metal video where i paint the goblin helmet mm -hmm. uh, that helmet took eternity to glaze down you know the transitions i, I basically value sketched the uh, reflections and then i glazed the uh, transitions between them and since it was really light paint uh, it really took a lot of time. It was not, I wouldn't really say it's difficult. It's just time consuming. And I think it's the case for every technique. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's the case. Like, I think that's a realization I had with glazing was I kept saying, well, damn it, it's not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And when I just kind of finally just said, well, keep going, see what happens, you know? And for me, non-metallic metal was the, I can't do this. This is crap. And then I edge highlighted and went, oh okay <laughs> I, I i mean i am actually kind of getting this now you know what i mean like there's kind of little things and that's actually one of the things i think that's interesting is that what i like for techniques like glazing one of the thing and layering and creating transitions whether you're smooth whether you're wet blending or other things one of the things i find interesting is that you don't see many videos where people or the, they they talk about leaving yourself space to work and so, right. you know, and that's kind of, I think that was kind of my biggest hurdle. And I saw that in one year, and I think it was actually in your NMM video where you talk about, you know, you need to leave, you have to have some space to work between the blends, et cetera. And so I was kind of like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah, I totally get that. Some people can get impression that the video is five minutes long. So uh, maybe it can be done in five minutes or something along those lines. But yeah, honestly, it, it just takes 
tens of hours to get down a single piece on a miniature. For example, the helmet in case of the uh, goblin. Now, I also have noticed on your webpage that you're not just a Warhammer painter, that you also have been painting Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, I believe even one of your videos at OSL was, a, or Glow Effect was about yeah. using a, a, more, a Marvel Crisis Protocol. How has it been painting those miniatures? Have those been fun to paint? So um, I painted a lot of Space Marines in the past. So that's a nice break from the Space Marines. Yeah. Um, you know, like Warhammer miniatures in general have uh, so many details and it's great. There is a lot of like um, information and noise uh, to make it interesting. And uh, like Marvel Crisis Protocol miniatures are still detailed, but not as much as Warhammer. Mm -hmm. And you have more space to really express yourself. For example, if you have seen the glow effect video, uh, as you have already said, uh, like the Hela miniature has a lot of um, flat space that you can really work with. So for me, what I did is that I painted the glow effect there and that's it. But you have a Loki that, uh, mini. Yeah, yeah, no, I, absolutely. I just, uh, you know, there, um, there are so many different miniatures out there now, different companies, et cetera. And uh, of course, Games Workshop is the big one in the, in the block. But, you know, the I'm always curious because I haven't actually touched uh, any of the Marvel ones um, in, in, at all. So I was just curious if they were as fun to paint, paint as a, as a, they're not as detailed. That's a huge answer because that's kind of the fun of painting some of the GWs. But I also like the idea that you can have free range, you know, somewhat with them too. On the but, you know, like at the same time when you are painting, for example, uh, let's say a sister of battle that has like so many details that you have to just drown so many hours into the miniature for it to look decent. Uh, it's a good, it's a nice break to just paint something more simple. So for me, it definitely works. And like the main thing about it is that uh, it's Marvel. So yeah. Yeah, good stuff, right? Yeah, I'm wearing a Spider-Man shirt right now, which you can't see. So yeah, but you know, <laughs> I'm all about that too. Now, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about too was you have the, we already talked a little bit about it, uh, the Mandalorian bust that you worked on as an example for non-metallic metals. Do you do, you do uh, different other different scales or was that uh, kind of your first foray into busts? Um, That's correct. It was my first bust ever. And I definitely want to uh, paint more busts, but uh, I didn't really have, I would say, chance yet because I schedule my content and uh, usually I just paint... Um, only for for my content nowadays mm -hmm. but definitely more busts are coming and even like uh, for example uh, 75 millimeters scale miniatures as well nice yeah and that actually i feel like as i'm getting older and my eyes are getting more and more tired that 54 and 75 more and millimeter miniatures are becoming more and more attractive <laughs> yeah yeah sure. to totally get it also like um you have the same issue where you are basically looking at blank canvas, like a plain mm -hmm. space, which you have to fill with some texture and information or some kind of noise. So you, you have, you, you really encounter this problem when you're painting uh, larger scales instead of like Warhammer, where everything is like concentrated on really small uh, space. And uh, basically you don't really have to think about it. Right, and you, your, your use of the word noise is just perfect because that's exactly, you know, like looking at, you know, a Sister of Battle, the Sister of Battle you painted, um, beautifully done, but there's, I mean, my God, just in the front view, there are six purity, you know, uh, there's three purity sails with two scrolls each, rows of grenades, you know, like, you're like, holy crap. And it's, you're right, it's a lot of, it's a lot of noise. And as that were to get bigger, that noise volume would decrease, you know? Um, and so it's a lot of fun. It, it seems to me like more fun, a little bit more fun if you're into the creative side to kind of dabble in open spaces for sure. But it also could be intimidating too, because you're like, oh my God, what am I going to put there? You know? <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think actually that is the problem of the Mandalorian bust because uh, there 
exactly there is not enough noise to really fill the uh, blank space. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the issue with the Mandalorian bust. So yeah, where do you see this channel going? Do you have any other? I, I well, maybe I don't know if I want to spoil anything or out there or anything. But um, where do you kind of see the channel going in, in the next year or two? Or are there things that you'd like to to do on the channel that you haven't explored yet? Oh uh, yeah, so so basically, uh, the vision behind the channel is to uh, make it like my main thing. My um, basically, I want to do YouTube full time. <laughs> because that's what I aim for, you know, painting miniatures and do it for a living. That's just living the dream. And uh, yeah, that's the overarching vision. Yeah, I actually think that um, I am on a good track to go there because like from my calculation, uh, I might hit 100,000 subscribers by the end of the year. So uh, yeah, I think it goes pretty well. No, that's awesome. You're Yeah, you're definitely uh about halfway there right you know 46 is it Forty six thousand. Uh, i think i'm at almost uh, 43 yeah almost yeah. 43. you're almost at 43 wow that's awesome man congratulations hopefully we can we can drive some more listeners uh to you uh that would be great um i will also drive some subscribers from me to you guys that <laughs> would totally uh, appreciate that for sure um Okay, so we talked about the uh, kind of where the channel's going and about uh, et cetera, but I want to talk, I want to get back to a little bit more about just straight up painting. So I'm going to put you a little bit out on the spot. Um, this is kind of a new question that I've been asking, uh, asking as I, I interview artists. What is an area in your painting um, that you want to improve? Like what would be a critique of your work um that you would like to see yourself improve upon right so like straight away when you see my channel i am more of a uh i see most miniature painters as either a um artistic type or a technomancer <laughs> so mm -hmm. for example like i would say personally that vince venturella is more of a technomancer um and i even consider myself to be more of technique based um, miniature painter and for example Banshee is more of an artistic type sure. so I think that I have to uh, get more artistic I would say so that's maybe a thing to improve and also definitely my bases absolutely suck <laughs> I feel you like, like my bases are not impressive at all and this is just a habit because uh, for me, basis is, are, are just an afterthought because I'm used to it uh, from uh, painting armies. Basically, I just painted the miniatures, then I based them all, and uh, that's it. Mm -hmm. So I have to work more on that. I, I, that's when I feel your pain in, because being someone who doesn't game at all, um, when, when, when I have to do just a plain, simple base, it's like it's so much so hard to get it to me. They look so bad to me when I do them. Uh, so I, I definitely feel feel you on that one. Um, so have you uh, have you? So you want to up your basing game? How do you want to do that? What are do you have any suggestions for listeners about what, that are facing the same thing and say, you know what, I want to become more of an artistic painter, um, but my bases suck. Um, I'm asking for a friend. Um, how do you? <laughs> <laughs> like, the usual question of a friend. Yeah, right. It's a question. It's a friend's question, not mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, how do you want to get that? Like, what are the, some of the things that you you're looking at doing to to improve your basing, for example? Okay, so uh, for basis, let me think about it. Yeah, actually, I, I have somewhat of a plan because uh, I have army of gloom spite gates waiting for me mm -hmm. and I want to create some cool mushroom and mysterious and uh, sort of even cave bases for them. So that's maybe a way to express myself. So I think maybe like that. So kind of like having, you know, changing it from basing being an afterthought to kind of planning out basis more 
um, it, it seems like that's part of your plan, your part of your plan. Exactly, because when I am painting a single miniature for a video, for example, uh, I am not really thinking about uh, the base. And so uh, just thinking about what will the base look like, what would really suit the miniature, uh, not just in terms of uh, color theory, I think that is probably the way to go. Excellent. Now, do you see yourself doing some videos on basing in the future? Uh, actually, yes. I want to do like uh, video along the lines like four cool basing ideas for your miniatures. Mm -hmm. So something like that is definitely coming. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I, lo I look forward to it as somebody who, who needs help with that. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Um, so and another question I, I, I always ask is I, I'm always curious about this. Um, is there something in fiction or a miniature out there that hasn't been done yet that you'd like to see be done? And for, for me, uh, kind of, I, I either do say Thunder, the Thundercats or like the characters from Stephen King's Dark Tower series, as I would love to see them done as miniatures at some point. Is there something out there for you that you'd like to see? Okay, so uh, basically I really like anime. And <laughs> the problem with that is that if I wanted to paint anime miniatures, uh, for example, do you know One Piece? I don't. Mm -mm. Okay, so I, I invite... Uh, your listeners to Google One Piece. Mm -hmm. And if they see like the main character from One Piece, uh, there is literally nothing remotely interesting to paint there. It's just it's just one one color of the skin, one color on the hat, one color on the vest, and that's it. So even if I wanted some cool miniatures that haven't been made already, uh, <laughs> they would be kind of boring in this case. So yeah, that's probably my answer. Oh, you know what? I was just in a comic book store um, Sunday with my son, and they had a garage kit of him. Not a garage kit. It was just a model. It was just a, little, a statue. Of, and, of, uh, of Luffy or from One Piece? Uh, I guess I'm looking at, I'm looking online right now. as we Just like a uh, straw hat? or Yes, something. absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually have him. I think I have a picture because I interviewed a guy who repaints those. And I mean, like, um, it's a cool character. I, I like him a lot, but at the same time, there isn't really any room to really express yourself as an artist, or at least that's what I feel like. Oh, nice. oh believe me, there are many cool characters from One Piece. Oh, nice. They are so bizarre. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> I love it. But, but it doesn't really translate well to miniature painting, I think. Right, I get it, because yeah, the the I, what, what you're saying about it. But if you you know the key though is that if you painted that and it made you happy, that's all that matters, right? Yeah, definitely. I guess so. You know, that's, I mean, uh, I'm probably gonna paint some uh, Pokemon miniatures, and I'm definitely gonna encounter uh, the same problem because it's pretty much just flat. Or I can uh, paint a simple gradient, I guess, but maybe maybe some OSL, but that's it. Right. So it, it, as you've seen in the podcast lately, we've been doing a bit of an international art party, I call it, that we've talked to artists from the UK, Spain. Um, we've even talked to I, I MC Miniature Surgeon who's in the in Asia, um, although I hope he's okay because he hasn't put out a video in a while and he's a surgeon, a literal surgeon in Asia. Um, but uh, yeah, so in Canada, et cetera. So we've been kind of around the world now with you in the Czech Republic. I, I'm always curious as to how the painting community is in where people are. Um, is a uh, prior to COVID, how was the gaming painting community in Prague? Well, um, I wouldn't say that it's really big. It's actually quite small, but at the same time, I don't really uh, have a comparison. And also at the same time, it's quite concentrated in uh, Prague, in the capital of the Czech Republic. So, and we are, we are also a small country. So, right. uh, you know, like US is very spread. So to really meet other people, you have to travel a lot. It's not the case for the Czech Republic. So I think we have a decent community. It's getting better, obviously. Most people are uh, coming in to start uh, mostly gaming, Warhammer, mm -hmm. obviously. <laughs> and 
yeah i'm not sure if i answered that no yeah. I, I absolutely you know and i didn't know like we hear from spanish painters that they 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 started out when going to demon golden demons and things along those lines and uh that building a community kind of that way because they were you know it seemed like back in the 90s early 90s there was a gold there was a games day every two weeks in europe you know <laughs> in a different in a different country and so that that was a way that they built community and you know and you 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 actually nailed it is that the us is so spread out that it's really hard you know we don't have like a concentration of painters like in barcelona for example you know or in madrid right, that right, can right. go back and forth um etc so it sounds uh, but it, it sounds like you do have some of a painting community though which is good which is a good thing yeah and like obviously at the same time like if i wanted to for example visit uh trovarian or uh if you know flamion or flamon i'm not, not sure how to pronounce that yes sir uh, i can do that you know because like uh, we are basically neighboring countries so mm -hmm. so there is no problem with that it's probably a few hours to drive and that's it well, that's not bad at all. Absolutely. And I love I love the illustrative style of flame on miniatures. They're very cool. It's a very it's a very uh, I don't I don't know if I would ever want to paint that way, but I love looking at it. You know what I mean? It's, it's gorgeous. And to be honest, I totally, um, totally got inspired from his style because, for example, uh, when you see me blending some parts of the miniatures, I use exactly the approach that he is using. So, yeah. Let's talk about paints that go on your palette. Um, do you have, like, I one of the big things in miniature painting now, and I've seen at least 10 videos on this, and I'm going to blame mm -hmm. Vince Venturello for this, that <laughs> about uh, universal highlight and shade colors. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know these videos. Yeah, you know, exactly. Now, um, with, with kind of that in the background in mind, are, are there paints that make your make their way onto your palette on almost any miniature besides just like white and black? You know, like for me, deck tan is all, a deck tan and uh, Incubi Darkness have a tendency to always be on my palette. Those are kind of two of my go-to colors that I like to mix into things along those lines. And we have an artist like Michael Proctor in the past who has a purple that's, if you saw his artwork, you'd be like, yeah, he, he likes purple. Um, and so are there things like that, that, that you tend to like or enjoy painting more oh, colors you like to enjoy, enjoy painting more with? So I definitely really enjoy uh, the paint from Vallejo, it's it's called magenta, mm -hmm. just plain magenta. Even like fluorescent magenta as well, but certainly the basic one. But I don't really uh, find a way to use it on every miniature, unfortunately. <laughs> but it, if I could, uh, I definitely would. And uh, if there is a color that I use almost every time, it's definitely ice yellow. Ice yellow. It's mm -hmm. it just works so well for so many things. If, if you want to paint like, for example, non-metallic metal gold, or if you want to highlight the skin tones or uh, really many things, it works so, so well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's that perfect step above ivory, you know, like, cause like you can use, you can even go further in the highlight using ivory, but ice yellow can be far enough, you know? So it's a great color. It's a great color for sure. Now, is there a, do, do you have a paint brand? preference or are you a by a color painter like okay i know reds from this line are good they're shit from this line etc <laughs> well um actually when i started i was thinking in more in terms of uh, which which colors do i want instead of like what consistency or um like i didn't really care about um how the paint exactly behaves but nowadays i actually do and I really, really had a breakthrough moment in that uh, when I got some scale 75 paints, because let me tell you, these are a real pain. <laughs> <laughs> they are so mad and they are just a hell to work with. I thought that my paint jobs are going to be so much better with them, but for some reason, I just cannot uh, cannot really get them to do what I want on the miniature. So uh, nowadays, I really like um, 
Vallejo, of course, because those paints are just universal. I don't mind Citadel, but I like Vallejo just a bit more because of, you know, the bottles. (laughs) And and also like uh, AK Interactive third generation is really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and that's what it's, it's interesting that I like some scale 75 paints, but I would have to say the majority of them I struggle with because I get like, you know, I was painting with their their oranges and their reds and they they're chalky because there's so much matte additive in them that actually I have found with every paint, every uh, scale 75 paint, it's the case that they uh, become chalky quite fast for some reason. Yeah, it's the the medium, I guess. Right. Yeah, and it, it's that 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 desire for that ultra matte finish, you know, which seems to be kind of we're kind of swinging the other way now, where it was like everything had to be super matte, and then you have lines like uh, Chimera that have a bit of a satin finish. They're matte, but they have a satin additive that you can add to them to 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 thin them, etc., which makes them not as matte. So it seems like some swing in those. Um, so I'm not going to spoil it for listeners uh, about what you say in your brush video. Um, but can you talk to me a little bit about what brushes you tend to, uh, brushes and sizes you tend to use? Absolutely. So uh, like most painters, I really like Sable Hair Kolinsky brushes for details. And actually nowadays for most of the stuff, um, I used to... Uh, paint mostly with Citadel and Army Painter brushes, but let's be honest, those aren't really uh, top-notch brands for brushes. Right. Um, anyway, the brands I use are uh, Da Vinci Maestro Series mm. 35 or Series 10. And basically the only difference between these two are uh, the bristle length. And that's it. But, you know, if you use Windsor and Newton or I guess, uh, what's the other one? Raphael, uh, those are just fine. I didn't really have that great of a, an experience with Raphael for some reason. Uh, the bristles sort of were splitting, but I guess it can work. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things, it's interesting because I have, uh, my co-host is a Windsor Newton user and I'm a, I tend to, I tend to use, uh, the Raphael's and we both have the same experience with the opposite brushes like every time I buy a, Win- a Windsor Newton I, halfway through the first time I'm using it it looks like one of the troll dolls from the 80s and I'm like how is this possible and he complains about that with when he's gotten some Raphael I think it just all depends on the batch you get you know it's kind of luck of the draw yeah, but, I guess. But you know, like with Da Vinci in my store, it never happened to me. And it's such a good brand. I, I, I just love it. And used, honestly, I really like the uh, long and thin bristles mm-hmm. uh, because the, they just allow me to be so precise. Uh, they allow me to even like uh, paint pupil and the iris separately on uh, 32 scale miniature or Warhammer miniature. Where they sound, the Da Vinci sound very similar to Rosemary and Company's series uh, 22. They're kind of, and the Da Vinci's have a little bit of a fatter belly than like a Winsor Newton, but not as fat of a belly as say a, a Raphael. Because Raphael's oh, tend to- Actually, I have Winsor and Newton as well, right here, laying in, in front of me. And uh, <laughs> I can tell you that it's actually uh, fatter. The, the Winsor and Newton is, is a little bit bigger. Is it really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I, the way you described it originally, I would have thought that maybe it was a little bit thinner, but now I stand corrected. I've never used Da Vinci brushes, so I, the, they're uh, a pain in the butt to get shipped here in the U.S. So, um, and they're always out of them on our store. So that's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that. Keep trying to get them, but uh, for sure. But you know, once you get used to some brand, I wouldn't really pro- wouldn't really switch because mm-hmm. uh, it's not really necessary. It's basically the same. It's Kulinski sable hair. It's mm-hmm. not going to be such an impact to change to other brand once you are using one of these top-notch brands. Ah, oh, but come on, man. Haven't you seen the mini bo- the boards out there, man? They tell you which brush, you know. <laughs> you can see the battles over which brushes are better. And, you know, it's uh, 
if you don't you if you use Windsor Newton you're gonna die if you use Raphael <laughs> you're evil you know <laughs> so by that logic Darren Latham is already dead <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> probably <laughs> these uh, all the stuff that we saw you know we haven't seen a new video from him in a while right um <laughs> <laughs> granted that's another context altogether but you know so one of the things we ask our, our guests to kind of wrap up the interview is that our motto is better braver happier painters can you give our listeners some advice on how to continue their painting journeys okay so you basically want me to uh, tell you how to be happier <laughs> how to be better and all the jazz okay so i am not sure what is gonna make you happier because that is entirely up to you you know if you want to paint your army and dry brush all of it that's absolutely fine but like for me um to be happier painter i really have to improve because if i'm not improving and i'm still um i still suck and i don't think my paint job is very good then i'm not really gonna enjoy it and uh, the way I'm thinking of this is that when you are, for example, let's say a musician and you are, uh, for example, playing the violin. So if you are not good at, at, um, at playing the violin, you are probably not going to enjoy that. So my answer to that is that if you are going to get better at painting miniatures and if you get... Um, if you really take your time to practice deliberately, not just practice, but practice intentionally, then you are going to get better and probably you are going to get even happier. So that's probably my answer to that. Perfect. Perfect. I appreciate it. Thank you. Dan and I would like to thank Sumikito Miniatures for joining us today. He was a fantastic guest and really enjoyed the conversation. We'd also like to wish him a very, very happy birthday and hope that he has a fantastic day today. You can follow his work and learn a great deal from him on his YouTube channel at Zumikito Miniatures. Also follow him on Instagram and Facebook at Zumikito's Painting. You can also follow us on Listening to Paint Try with Mike and Dan on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at Dry Painting. Please like, subscribe, follow, and download wherever you get your podcasts from. Remember, we're on over 150 platforms, so hopefully it's easy to find us. If you could also leave us a great review, we would totally appreciate it. Have a thought about a future show? Want to let us know how we're doing on the current show or anything along those lines? Let us know what you're working on at listening to paint dry at gmail.com. Um, we'll be back again in two weeks with another episode. Uh, but until then, realize it is not a fantasy. You can become a better, braver, happier painter. Until next time. Listening to paint dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.